This is The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. You do, you do, you do have a purpose. Sean Prue here, Thought Revolution Radio, all this hour. A happy weekend to you. I'm in an interesting position today of, of having invited two people I really admire who are my friends on the show. Garrett Swan's coming up, second half of the Sean Prue Show, actor, producer, model, and uh, someone who has had an incredible journey with discovering who he really is. And so we look forward to welcome him, welcoming him to the show in about a half an hour time. But first, I want to welcome, uh, I'm so blessed in this business, you know, because I get to meet amazing people. Scott McCracken, second generation music industry vet, uh, who has uh, worked with countless producers and managed uh, artists, uh, Rihanna, the Black Eyed Peas, uh, the Fugees along the way, uh, is someone that I, I got the pleasure of meeting not very long ago uh, and connecting with really fast. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk to now. And he's got so much uh, wisdom from having had such an incredible career. And one of the things we try and do here on the show is encourage you if you've got something you want to do, and it could be artistic, it could be entrepreneurial, to go for it. Um, I, I know that I personally will never look back on my life with any regret because I decided to go for it. And Scott McCracken has seen people doing this all the time, has done it himself. I welcome you to the show, Scott. Thank you. You're most welcome. Uh, when you look back at your career, I've mentioned uh, some of the hottest names that anyone listening has uh, ever known. What's the common trait that people who go for their dreams possess? I think the feeling, um, particularly when it comes to those who want to pursue creativity or artistic things, I feel like you have to think the gods have somewhat conspired against you to bring you to this place where you really feel as if you have no other choice. Um, and that you know, pursuing anything other than this dream that most people start sort of feeling called to at a very young age presents itself as, at least from my perspective, as, as if they don't have an option, that it's sort of a make it or bust kind of a mentality. And, and the reality is that in that business, it's so competitive. Uh, the odds of success are so slim that without that, without that passion and that belief that there's nothing else out there for you than a career as an artist, I don't think you could make it. You know, I said many times on this show uh, that, that I started in finance, which was crazy because I failed grade 10 math and had no business telling people what the numbers meant and, and just got to a point where I had achieved an amount of success for a guy who was uh, just about to turn 30. And, and it dawned on me that I had not used any of my gifts. And I look back at having had a father who passed away when I was about 17 um, now and really realizing that tomorrow's not a promise and what was I doing? Did I want to um, have an amount of regret if ever I was hit by a bus and was lying on my deathbed? And the answer was, was no, but you quickly, I quickly found that people would say to me, could you ever go back to finance? And I hadn't been out of finance um, more than say even a year. And, and the answer was no, never. And it's a path that you, you go on and I've come to understand and agree or disagree with this, that when you've got a talent or something that you just love doing, that's not a coincidence or that's just not a, a, a thing about you. 
uh, it's your calling. Without a doubt. Um, I, I remember uh, my last year of law school. Um, you know, most of my most of my friends, you know, colleagues were beginning to prepare for going and you know doing the law firm mm. interview process. And from my perspective, that wasn't ever an option for me. I mean, I went to law school specifically because I wanted to better my chances of being a manager in a music business. And in the first two years uh, after that, uh, you know, I had lots of friends who were starting to re- make really good money. And, you know, I was still ordering Happy Meals at lunchtime. And it never dawned on me that that foregoing that and moving into something more profitable was even an option. And uh, thank goodness, because I think if I were worried about that, I might have reconsidered and having the benefit of looking back now, um, I was really lucky and fortunate to, to have stuck with it and then had a chance to have a really fulfilling career. There's also something to be said uh, for not necessarily um, thinking too much about what's ahead and the struggles that you're going to have. Because I know I certainly didn't. I kind of dove in and learned how to swim after the fact. Um, when when people are listening to this and they're making a, a moves towards maybe making a change or a shift in any aspect of their lives, to what degree do you think you want to plan that out? Or uh, to what degree do you want to let things unfold organically? <laughs> I used to have this recurring dream that <laughs> I was pushing a shopping cart full of empties and trying to find a way to feed myself. And... <laughs> It sounds ridiculous. No, that's awful. But but I'm getting this point that I'm trying to make is that at the time, I had, you know, plenty of friends and family saying to me, oh, you're going to do just fine. You're going to make it. You're going to have success. But it didn't really matter because what was required was for me to be able to say that to myself. Yes. And uh, I think, I think that, the, the the phrase "fake it till you make it" has some has some place in all of that, meaning that you've got to believe, you know, you've got to believe that you you can make you can make that dream attainable. And I think if you are if you're looking, at, you know, if I was thirty whatever I was then thirty ish years old, thinking about my retirement account, I probably would have jumped off a bridge. But I wasn't. I was thinking about what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? And creating uh, what I do now with every artist I work with and any business that I get involved in, which is to reverse engineer a plan, which is to say, where do I want to be in a year? Mm Because three years is too overwhelming. Where do I want to be in a year? And then I I make a list of everything I feel like I need to do to get there so that when I'm done... I have a little roadmap and um, roadmaps take away, I think, anxiety when your fear is that you don't see what's ahead of the future. It's, it's a bit of, uh, of putting some control into it. Um, when, when we were talking about the ideas of, of success, though, it's also about redefining what success even means because you were talking about the three-year plan or the one year, where do you want to be? I, I, I hate that question and I don't get interviewed for jobs anymore, but um, what do you, where do you want to be in five years? Happy <laughs> became my answer. I want to be happy. Where do you want to be tomorrow? Happy. 
And, and I think um, people want to define success by what society says it looks like or what their family says it looks like. And, and you mentioned the retirement thing and, and worrying about your retirement plan. And that's funny that you said that because my mother and I had a conflict when I first left finance because she said, how are you going to retire? And I was 30. I mean, it's, so, it's still so long away. Um, but the, 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 I was upset with her for not being more supportive and throwing questions like that at me but in the end um, what I've discovered is that when you're pursuing something that you love uh, the universe is almost conspiring in your favor the whole time and it always has your back not to say that the road doesn't get treacherous but uh, you get to develop a certain kind of confidence when things have worked out for you historically in your in your journey as a as a creative or an entrepreneur that that they will continue to and you let go of the worrying a little bit more that's absolutely true and I think that you redefine what success is um, at every at every juncture in your life. <clears throat> um, naively, I defined success in my early 30s as as having to do with you know my ability to make a lot of money and to uh, have success in the music business. And and today, I, I think of that as way down on the bottom of of things that I that I know now with, with the benefit of hindsight have made me happy and continue to make me happy. You, uh, I want to Forbes magazine did a, a piece on you and, uh, you had an epiphany backstage, uh, about, um, uh, I think it was a foreigner concert. Uh, you saw the, the manager calling the shots and that's when you realized who you wanted to be. And was that what made you go to law school? So I was I was uh, I was backstage um, as a, at a foreigner concert. My dad um, basically sponsored Mick Jones into the country. They were in bands together, he, you know. So he was sort of family to me. And I remember seeing this guy um, who, in within a period of fifteen minutes, had input on creativity, business, and to a certain degree, public relations. Mm. And I thought that was so fascinating because he he had the ability to touch on all these different aspects of of an artist's career in such a short span of time, and that really appealed to me because I I never considered myself somebody who could sit and do something similar day in and day out. We're going to take a break uh, with with you, Scott. Uh, your dad. I want to make sure uh, everyone knows Hugh McCracken. Um, if you've heard Brown Eyed Girl, if you've heard Steely Dan, if you've heard Billy Joel, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, The Monkees, Art Garfunkel, Yoko Ono, Carly Simon, your dad is the American guitarist, uh, rock guitarist, session music, musician, uh, who, who uh, played on all those uh, great artists' records and tracks. And uh, we want to talk to you in a minute when we get back a little bit about what you know from having uh, been exposed to a world that most of us have never uh, known, even just through uh, your father being who he was. You've got the Sean Prue Show here on SiriusXM Canada Talks, Channel 167. You were wonderfully made, marvelous, amorous, glorious, victorious. You 
Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks. Here's Sean Prue. Here I am in, in the unique position, as I mentioned at the top of the show, of having two friends uh, join me this hour. Garrett Swan, actor, model, producer, is going to share his journey into understanding himself and who he really needs to be and how he's gone about doing that along the same theme. Scott McCracken is a good friend of mine and has managed or worked with everyone from Rihanna to the Black Eyed Peas, his father, as we were just saying uh, at the uh, end of the first segment, Hugh Carmine McCracken, uh, the American guitarist who has worked with basically the, 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 the top names in music, Roberta Flack, B.B. King, John Lennon, Paul McCartney. I understand that your dad uh, turned down Paul McCartney's request to join his band Rain because he's, he was in such demand. Uh, it must have been a very interesting orbit to grow up in, Scott. It, it was. Um, he, uh, that, that, that point in time when um, they made uh, a Paul, Paul McCartney record called Ram, um, Paul had put together uh, the band Wings sort of right around that time frame, and I think probably everybody wanted to you know be in on that as you know the Beatles had just broke up, and mm. not that Paul McCartney isn't still one of the most famous musicians in the world, but at the time there you know the spotlight was pretty strong, and uh, and he made a decision to say no because uh, he didn't want to leave the U.S. Mm. He didn't want to live in Scotland, which was sort of required at that time. And uh, that was maybe one of the first insights I got to learn from my father, who taught me so many things. What did he teach you? Were you one of these kids who grew up um, with all of these musicians just hanging around, or was it a very separate work, uh, family life for you? No, it they were all very social people, and uh, I grew up in a very, um, I grew up in a really wonderful environment uh, where creativity and acceptance and all, all things that, you know, you hear that parents don't foster in their kids, uh, they were fostered in me. Um, and that was a wonderful thing. Of course, you know, like everything, there are downsides, and if you think about the seventies and the music business, um, there was a lot of partying going on, but, uh, that was shielded for me to, a, to a great degree. But I, I got to see so much creativity made as a, as a little kid. It was, it was a wonderful, incredibly blessed way to grow up. Well, that's why I appreciate you, um, accepting the invitation to come on the show, which isn't normally, um, your, your cup of tea, but, uh, you've got so much great insight and, and, and as I said, we encourage people on this show to, to go for their dreams and go for things. And I always just think of the artist or the entrepreneur as such a wonderful example of someone who just takes the risk and, and, and tries to have a life of bliss, which is what you get when you line up with your, your dreams. So in hanging around with these greats in the way that you did, hanging around isn't the right way of putting it, I'm sure, but having them around you, you what, did you, what do you know? What did you learn about being an artist? That's an interesting question because I think it, it, the, the answer to that is as diverse as people in, are in general. Um, and, and I've been learning about artists since the time I was a kid, you know, um, when I started managing artists, uh, I brought this bias to the equation, which is that artists are always right and 
record companies are always wrong and um and they're the terrible ones but you know i think as you go through the process you realize that there are wonderful people in the record companies and and there are crazy artists um who won 800 pound white tigers <laughs> and summon yeah. you to get them one because he wants to what we're talking about Wycliffe, i think uh, uh was asking for that at one point well, I, you know that that's an example of, of some of someone who really wants to bring an amazing show to mm. their fans, and I and I I supported that as crazy as it was. It was wonderful, um, and I you know I think that uh, there's the the being an artist. I'm sure it's similar with actors and other creative people. You know, you're told no for so long mm-hmm. that when you're finally seeing the fruits of your yes you know, moments coming to, to sort of fruition, um, you can either embrace them with joy or you can, you can hold on to them with fear. Um, and holding on to them with fear that they may go away tomorrow is, is, it's detrimental to your own sense of understanding that the journey you wanted to be on, you're actually on right now. Mm. And, um, and, and the ability to appreciate how to, pivot and change so that you can continue to grow and and achieve more and more and handling success becomes uh, uh, an issue or a matter uh, uh, along the way and and what what is the secret um, that you well, the secret what what is what is handling success well look like who does that well how do they do it because I, you see people all the time burn and implode when they get a bit of success they don't handle it well because it comes with prices and and other aspects that they've now got to manage as well but but people either do it well or they don't who how do you do it well i think that um, you recognize that if you're able to make a living speaking particularly uh, about music if you're able to make a living making creating and performing music that you're one lucky person and if you if you take the energy and the and the power that comes from that and divert at least a portion of that to things that make the earth a better place to be i think that comes back to people tenfold and you can see certain artists who really live by that and just look at just how happy that they seem mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a powerful thing to get outside of the, you know, you can become so self-centered as an artist simply because so many people want to make your life as easy as possible in an effort to, to ingratiate themselves to you. Not, not necessarily to the degree of being a sycophant, but just trying to take care of your, your, you know, your, your whims. But that's that's not what life is about. No. It's a slippery slope too, because if you uh, you have to have an amount of self-centeredness as an artist, because you're thinking about what you have to say. But at the same time, it, if if it blows up and you suddenly think that you're untouchable or God, um, that's when you blow up. Absolutely, absolutely. And the music business is a funny thing. I mean, the the, the phrase "one hit wonder." doesn't exist for no reason at all it's very it's very possible for you to have literally a year of success in music and then and then never find that again so instead of 
you know, instead of looking back at that and forgetting what that year of success was like because you spent so much of the time after the fact being angry and, 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 and all the other emotions that come with it, if you use that time to soak it up and enjoy it and, and make the world a better place somehow, whatever that, whatever that definition is to, to you, the value of that, the, what comes back to your, to your spirit is worth more than any amount of money you could ever imagine. And I don't say that lightly. I didn't grow up with a lot of money and I thought money was going to be really important. And uh, at some of the most lucrative times of my life were some of the most unhappy times of my life. Money doesn't change anything. If you're miserable, you can have any money, amount of money in the bank. It's not going to to fix anything. What what what's the biggest mistake an artist uh, or, or an entrepreneur makes? Do you think along the way? I think that that all of us artists, entrepreneurs, just people in general. I think we get so caught up in what's not correct, mm-hmm. what's not right that we fail to see how wonderfully life can be for us and is for us in other areas. I, I can think of a number of people who I know c- currently that, that, you know, basically feel as if they're a victim, that their career is terrible and they're frustrated. But and I look at their family and they have a beautiful family, mm-hmm. kids. And, and I, you know, the, if they're friends of mine that I'm close to, that's, you know, that's where the, that's where the water glass to the face comes in. Like, wake up. I think people you've worked yeah. with, uh, sort of, I think people you've worked with um, must have been very lucky to have worked with you because uh, to me, knowing the music business, not from an insider's standpoint, but certainly anyone listening knows that it can be very cutthroat and uh, harsh to say the least and uh, spits people up and, and uh, chews them up and spits them out. And you seem like uh, the antithesis of that. You are a gentleman. I know that as as, as a friend of yours. But uh, you bring you know give something back to the earth, and, and it feeds your spirit. Along the way, you must have really guided a lot of these artists in a way that they didn't uh, expect, or that maybe isn't expected of the music industry. I definitely think that I'm a little um, I'm a little unorthodox. In, you know, I was going to say hippie. <laughs> hippie, Bohemian. Yeah. Um, I think that I've um, I've offered guidance and advice to people at times that um, was not what they were expecting, because I don't I don't view my job as a manager to maximize every last dollar that an artist makes as much as I view my role as a manager to help an artist to be, to be emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, so that um, whatever success comes, and anyone who thinks they know how to spot success in music is full of baloney. Um, I mean, we all know it's talented, but what the, you know, the public has a really harsh way of telling you when they don't like what you're doing. Mm. Um, but it's, the, it's that other part of, of your... Um, spirit that's really important to me because that's kind of who you are underneath that facade of I'm an artist. Um, that's really important to me as a manager to, to, to try to share wisdom um, about both success and failure. You Thank you for sharing your wisdom. You did it. We're out of time. 
<laughs> I know yeah, that this I'm isn't a shy guy. Uh, no, you came out just for us to to share some of the things that you've learned along the way, and I thank you so much for doing that, Mr. McCracken. It's my pleasure. I'd like to say to everyone, go check out Maggie Zabo, Canada's one of Canada's wonderful gems making music that I'm so proud of. I'm so proud of too, and she's an absolute delight. That's how I met you, is when you brought her by uh, the show. Good manager there. Nice plug. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a, a chance of success for you in this business, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great week. Please say hello to Brenda for me, and I uh, will speak to you soon, Scott. Thank you. You're Bye-bye. most welcome. Thank you. You've got the Sean Prue show. We're going to talk to actor, producer, model Garrett Swan about how, his journey into finding out who he really is. The Sean Prue show continues. Sirius XM Canada Talks Channel 167. This is The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks. It is so, and rare is the guest who comes here on the SPS who uh, does not do a little movement, a shimmy, a shake when we hear like the theme song. Show. Like a drag show. Garrett Swan's <laughs> in the house. Hi. Woo! My sister from Hi. another mister. Yeah, uh, who's older? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we just had lunch. And uh, I have gone through our entire relationship believing, and, and legitimately, you know, that I was the younger one, that I was the kitten in the litter. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he asks people, the waiter, uh, you're like, how old, who's the oldest who's one the here? Oldest? <laughs> and of course, I'm like, who, obviously the person who's asking. So it turns out that I came up first, and then you came out like a minute after. <laughs> <laughs> a good justification. Good one? Yeah. Good one? Okay, yeah. cool. Good Hey, the reason I want to have you on the show, uh, you are doing so much with your life. Uh, you are a model. Uh, you're here for some castings here in Toronto. Yes. Right? I have an agent here in Toronto. How so. are they going? Oh, fine. I'd cast I have a new you. agent here, agency here, so that's great. Yes. Yes, I'm very excited. Uh, for some theater of the mind, you're kind of like a Silver Fox kind of thing. In fact, I think it was uh, just last year in what magazine? You're a, sil- you're a Silver Fox, too. Come on. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, fine. come on. Just admit it. Fine, but I still think you look older. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> uh, no, but you were on a list of top silver foxes in what magazine was it? Uh, it was BuzzFeed. So BuzzFeed, yeah. Th- yeah, so they, they, they started this whole stream of 15 silver foxes redefining the sexy grandpa. And I was... Na- <laughs> <laughs> and apparently I was number one on the list. Told I'm like, you. What? What does that make me? Great grandpa? <laughs> Correct. Grandma? Correct. Holy cow. I concur. What did you what did you feel when um when great redefining grandpa came up? Because we lived in such this is a serious question. We live in such an ageist society. And you are not even fifty yet, although you're on the verge. Forty nine, yes. 49. One, more, one more year. How do you feel about turning fifty? I'm actually really thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. Like I you know, it's it's I'm I'm evolving into the person that I've always wanted to become. Like I've always wanted to be this man of and the fact that I'm 50 and I feel like I'm 12. Mm. You know, I've I've I think my attitude has never changed as far as um 
my age, like I remember when my parents were 50, I felt like they were always older. Yes. You know, and that here I'm I'm redefining what age is. It's that it's it's really really merely a number that we don't we don't need to define ourselves by the age. And that is not a platitude if you're listening to this. It, it's not a platitude to say age is is only a number. That's the essence of of staying young, I think, because obviously I'm turning fifty before you. Uh, but but here's here's what I know. You for said sure. it, I didn't. Yeah, it's <laughs> no, but I, I only say that because we have a, a relationship and it's funny and camp yes. and stuff like that. But on, on the whole. I'm also thrilled about turning 50. Um, we come from a generation where maybe we weren't going to make it to 50. Right. When we were young men, we didn't know what was going on uh, as young gay men. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's also the fact that I think happy looks young. I think if you're happy, you, you exude uh, youthfulness. Uh, and I also think that we've got some amazing trailblazers, and, and we've, I always like to point out someone like... Oprah Winfrey, who's now in her, her uh, 60s, leading a... Iconic woman. Iconic. She's iconic. Unstoppable. Yeah. Um, my girl Madonna, 10 years older than me, so she's turning 60 this August. Wow. Right after I turned 50. She was my neighbor, by the way. Was she? On, on, in New York, yeah. I rather can't stand you some days. <laughs> Everyone's like, do you know her? And I'm like, no, I've never asked her for sugar. No, didn't you also live next to Joan Collins or something? No. <laughs> Okay. No, I don't know where you heard that story. Because then I was going to have a heart attack. Breaking news. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and then I was going to have to kill you and take those shoes. What size shoes are you? Um, nine. Yeah. Eight and a half. Older and oh, younger and prettier feet. <laughs> Smaller, danger feet. <laughs> don't hate the Gucci's. So um, so it's not a platitude is, is, is what, where I'm going. And, and, and I say that because there are a lot of people listening. And, and don't you find with gay men, and I'm, I'm you know single again, and... And as we know, uh, I have a nice appetite for uh, meeting other guys and having fun with them. And I keep meeting guys my age, maybe even a little younger, who are like, oh, I'm an old man now. And I'm like, how old are you? They're like, 42. I'm like, get out. Just go. I can't even they're, have sex with you. No, because they're stuck in their ways. They're, yeah. kind of, they're kind of settled. Yeah. And they don't, they're and not giving willing, in at right. 42. Oh, and they, and they, they give in. They, you know, they're, they're stuck in, in their, the way that they live. They're not willing to compromise. They're not willing to like be adventurous, you know? And it's, and it's kind of like, and I'm bored hanging out. You know, I'm like, you're boring. My grand was, um, God rest I don't mean soul. to, I don't mean to be rude, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? No, but it is boring. That's why I'm like, you, you, I can't, I, we cannot even touch each other now because you uh, uh, think so little of yourself. 42, it's half your age. I was blessed to meet uh, and interview a man um, who was in his, I think, approaching 90, gay man, fabulous guy. And he, I mentioned my mother, who's in her 70s. She goes, oh, she's so young. And then I mentioned that I was in my 40s. Oh, whippersnapper. And really, at his point, I was half his age. Yeah. And he was vibrant and living a wonderful life and was trying to set an example. And we don't have enough of those in, uh, in our world. And, and I think as gay men, we don't have enough of those. I think as gay men, we lost a generation before us. Of course. And we have not seen how to grow old. Well, in a sense, because... So that, show us. Well, because that... <laughs> yes, because that since that generation, we have to fend for ourselves, in a sense. Very much. We're the lost boys. We the are the generation. lost boys, yeah. yeah. And we are... And the, uh, Generation X is the lost generation. Mm. And so, you know, I see all these millennials and... and Listen, I get a lot of um, I get a lot of love from the the millennials, yes. like, and they see me as your grandpa. Well, <laughs> stop projecting. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> so, 
And, you know, these, these, and my goal is to inspire those to be the best person that they can be. Yes. And gay, straight, whatever you want to be. I don't care what you are, you know, like just go out and be, and be human, be loving, be kind, be mm. respectful, just do those things and, and be selfless. It's a mis- it's missing in our community. Yes. Uh, and I think it's important to talk about because, um, you know, it is said that it's a top-down effect from the gays on down, whether it's fashion and, and, and taste and influence. There's a, there is a sort of gay factor. And, mm-hmm. and I see this going on in the gay community, but I also see it going on. The mean girl factor has been around for a long time <laughs> in the gay community. Um, it's, it's within probably your workplace, if you're listening to this, that there's, there's that cliquey, competitive stuff. Uh, we live in a very unkind world right now yeah and who better than the gays the meanest of them all (laughs) yeah to show the world yeah how to maybe be kind and you've started to do that with your instagram feed well you know like with instagram you you know the garrett swan two r's two t's two n's darling yes two r's two t's two n's um of the santa barbara swans um so you know it's funny with that with that platform you know it's it's kind of become this very um narcissistic um you know very look at me very uh, like selfish very like oh i'm better than you and i see a lot of these influencers that are flying out in private jets and they're mm. going to great hotels and they're eating amazing food and they're 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 wearing like fabulous clothes and all this and it just it feels very again superficial that, superficial yeah. and it, there's nothing what, what 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 like even style? What comes out of style? How does personal style affect you? How does it does it make you feel confident? Does it make you feel like uh, uh, amazing? Does it make you feel like you're standing tall? Like what are yes. those things about what that you accomplish on a daily basis by wearing what you wear and being the person that you are today? And, and you're talking about being conscious and having a heartbeat around all those things. And of I think of course um, people just throw on the labels. And, of course, people on Instagram tag the designer uh, yes. that they're wearing. Yes, so you have a yes. whole head-to-toe yeah. tagging thing going on. So be it. Um, where, where you're saying uh, know who you are and then do that. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. think it's I think it's really roots from, you know, when I, when I talk about personal style, it's really about getting to know who you are as a person. It's mm. finding your truth. What, what What is your expression of who you are? Like finding all those elements that it's like a, you're, you're like a diamond. There's so many facets to you, right? You know, and that, how do you express that beautiful diamond that you are? Now, I'm going to do this because we're going to break right now. Okay. And I want everyone to go to the Garrett Swan, two R's, two T's, two N's, Silver Compass. The Silver Compass. Uh, the Silver Compass on Instagram. Ster- on the Sterling Compass. Sterling. Sorry, I, yeah, just, okay. I was looking at your cheap okay. jewelry. <laughs> Wait, and it matches yours. How interesting. <laughs> you wow. can just tell I love this guy so much. But when we come back, I'm going to ask you a tough question because everyone, I want you to look at those photos. I want you to think about what he just said. And I'm going to tell you what everyone is probably thinking right now when they look at that and they think about what you just said. Dun, dun, about, dun. Yeah. Yeah. You got the Sean Pre Show. Oh, gosh. Cheap jewelry in this studio. Can you imagine? Sirius XM Canada Talks Channel 167. We'll be back in just a second. Take that off your wrist.
Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks. Here's Sean Prue. Here I am. I'm with the Garrett Swan, the Sterling Compass. He's in from New York City uh, just to have lunch with me. <laughs> Wait, you said it all correctly, by the way. What? You finally got it right. Oh, because I, I, the Sterling Compass? Yes. What did I call you? The, the Silver, silver Compass. <laughs> the Bronze. The, <laughs> the Bronze the Bunion. The Cubic Zirconia. <laughs> You're the Bronze Bunion <laughs> on my foot. <laughs> he is an entrepreneur, lifestyle, or GQ insider, model, uh, you, you know, and you blah, just... Blah, blah, blah. But this is a, a friend of ours. Uh, human being. Up, Should you, I just put human being? Human being. Human. And this is going to go uh, dovetail really nicely with the tough question I want to ask, because if you're just joining us uh, and you have your phone handy, go to uh, the Garrett Swan, uh, two R's, two T's, two N's, um, and and check out his photos. Check out the human being. Um, but uh, and while you do that, I just want to, we were introduced by a friend, and it, I just want to say to you, if you're listening, if a friend ever says you need to meet this friend, do that, because yes. we were having such a good time off the, off the I think it was during TIFF right away that there was a woman and we were in the bottom of a hotel there was a woman she said you two are having such a good time and you guys are so fabulous come up to <laughs> my party on the rooftop tonight that I'm doing for TIFF we were VIP and that's that's just the magic of taking that risk and, and, and meeting somebody brand new now that you've had it, now that I filled that time so you could um, catch up with us if you're just joining us history uh, this PBT is, moment this is the problem with, with and I know a lot of people are thinking they're listening to what you just said about um, knowing who you are and being conscious and being kind and and uh, if you're into style and stuff like that don't be so superficial but the problem is is you are um, People are looking at this going, easy for you to say. Right. Because you have no body fat. Right. Well, I had 10%. I see some fat ankles. (laughs) (laughs) But no. Fat somewhere else. Easy for you to say. I'm going to keep it G-rated. I've never seen you look um, dégoutant. Okay, can I tell you something, So go, though? yeah, go. Ten years ago, I didn't look like this. I didn't like who I was. I, I was way overweight. Um, I would, What's that, like five pounds? <laughs> no, I was probably about 15 or maybe about 15 pounds heavier okay. than I am now. Okay. Um, but it was fat weight, and, and, and I, I was drinking a lot. I was mm. drinking every day. I was mm. doing a lot of drugs. I was, mm. like, I, was, I was escaping who I was. I didn't like who I was becoming. I was caught in ego and fear. And I was on a TV series at the time. I was on Fashion House um, uh, with Bo Derek and Morgan Fairchild. And, you know, and I, I, I hated who I was. I didn't like who the person I was. Why did you hate who you were? You know, because I wasn't living out my truth. And I was kind of stuck in this needing validation from the whole world. When you say living out your truth, that sounds um, like something out of a... Esoteric, yeah, so esoteric. What did what did that mean for you? I needed deeper? to be I needed to be honest with what what I who I was and what I wanted in my life and how I was gonna how I saw myself. Why were you not honest before that? Um, I think because I was I was needing it from everybody else. I couldn't validate my own self. Because I had lived in that world of when we were growing up and being gay wasn't like mm-hmm. accepted at all. Mm-hmm. So we were caught into that immense amount of shame. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we were so shameful, I, I always needed people to validate me to feel better. And, and uh, this is uh, and, and, and this is what I, I consider an honor to do this show. People are listening to this. And if you've ever not understood 
the damage that gets done or has been done anyway because we're living in a fast-changing world because people hated on someone. It doesn't matter whether it's a gay person, a black person, or a- anyone. Mm. When, when you are little and you are told you're wrong, that who you are is not right, and that um, you are, your life is, is one lived with negative message after negative message pushing you down, we've ended up creating a world of really beautiful people who, um, like you've shared, right. are seeking validation from everyone else. And when you were running around trying to prove yourself to everybody and everybody on the planet, P.S. wants different things from you. Like, look at me, I matter. Yes. It's exhausting. Yeah, it's really exhausting. It's exhausting. And that's about as a complex of the gay man, but it is also a complex of so many other types of people. Anybody ordinary out there who is not falling into any kind of uh, demographic per se, but has been told negative things about themselves. And we've got to stop that. Yeah, and it's easy to isolate in it and kind of kind of crawl in your own hole and agree with it. and that and it, yeah and then i and i didn't like i didn't like anymore i was kind of like i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired mm. and so i i needed to make that change and the only reason i am the person that you see on instagram today is because i created that that man like i wanted to live a beautiful life i wanted to live a healthy life mm. i wanted to go out into the world and say we, we matter. We we belong. Mm-hmm. And I'm just one of... It's like we're ants in this society. Yeah. You, but you first had to go out and say, I belong. Yes. And so when was that pinnacle moment when you were like, I'm done and it all changes now? I, that was... It was about 11 and a half years ago. And I, and I just... I literally was... I had done all the drugs I could possibly do and drank as much as I could possibly drink. And I just said, I'm, I just can't do this anymore. And you were on the TV series. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And And I mean, my life was great. I was set. Like I had a, I had a job. I had, I had money in the bank. I had a, you know, I had a house, you know, they had the, all the bells and whistles of life, but internally I was just a train wreck. Was there something that happened? Because often these things are like, um, the breakup. The uh, the job firing, something happens that slaps you across the face. Was there something like that for you? Um, I think there really wasn't like, as you want to call it, a bottom. Um, it There wasn't really any pivotal moment that one, it was that moment that I knew that I had to make a change. Mm. It was just something, maybe it was a divine intervention from, you know, from God or or a higher power or whatever, but there was some that moment that it just clicked, and I knew that I needed to make a change, and that was probably the best change I made in my life. So you got people listening to this right now, and they're going, "Okay, I'm I'm identifying with that feeling that this isn't who I want to be. I want to be who that I really am. I take what first step, Garrett Swan. I take what step." Um, I acknowledge, uh, um, I acknowledge really what the situation is, what is going on. Um, this is something I've really re- realized recently is acknowledging, I accept what's mm-hmm. happening, and I try to move on and let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, through so that acknowledge, process. Acknowledge, accept, let, let go. go. Yep. Yeah. For pretty much that process. And, and it's taken me a long time to really figure that one out. Mm-hmm. Like just those three words, as simple as that. And it, it, it really isn't as simple as that. One of the things that I actually, a pivotal, mo- a pivotal moment in my life was um, about a year ago, I discovered a thing called meditation. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what's this? Mm. 
Because I can't sit still for five seconds. That's all you need sometimes. And that's all you need is to take five, ten minutes out of your day and just breathe and do nothing. When you you meditate, you change the entire wiring of of your brain. You do. If you're listening to this and you've never tried, I couldn't couldn't get out of bed unless I'd meditate for a few minutes first. Oh, my God. And and you know how many people I try to tell, go meditate, try it. They say they can't. No, they can't. That's because, and if you're one of those people listening right now who says you can't, this is why. Because you think that you've got to go all kumbaya, zen, um, and you're not. It's like going to the gym. Uh, Your thoughts are going to be the resistance that are the weights in the gym. And so the more you can just be at peace with your thoughts, let it go, let it go, I'll deal with you later, let it go. And there's great apps. The greater you get at that. And there's great apps that you can do it. Like I did it through Headspace. Mm. um, And I learned, like, it it talks about, like, Every thought is a you note it and then you is you is it pleasant or unpleasant and then you let it go. Yes, you know it's as simple as that because your thoughts come and go. That's just a natural th- yes thing. Uh, I I had this exercise that made it up by myself. Uh, I was going through really? a lot of uh, yeah. I was in the Bahamas and I was going through a lot of turmoil and it was a friendship that was just busting up, imploding. And this person was. Um, all over Facebook, one of those people like, I'm going to vomit all over Facebook. I'm going to share everything that's, you know, one of those things. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm not even in, at home right now and I'm seeing all this sort of stuff. And, and I, was, I was feeling like a boy. I was feeling like a little boy who had no control over the situation. And I was, I, but I noted what the feelings were. Mm. Fear, anxiety, yeah. distress, uh, um, worry, that kind of stuff. And I put them in a, a bubble, and by that I mean like a bubble that you blow out of soap. Yeah. And I put them in the bubble, and I said, thank you, I don't need you anymore, and I watched them float away as an as a in-my-head exercise. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, I don't know why I made that up, but it calmed me down to the point of not caring anymore. Amazing. Yeah. yeah and then the that. problem sort of solved itself because her friends were like, you are appearing a lunatic, and you should delete all these things before Sean sues you. Right. But, 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 but I think that it's a direct cause and effect. Right. Of taking control of the problem side your own. Yeah, yeah. Head. Yeah, yeah. What's the hardest problem you've ever um, encountered? And I love this conversation because again, look at your Instagram, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not pandering to you, but, um, but you're a beautiful man, and inside Thank and out, you. you're a beautiful man, and I just think that it's um, important that people understand that we look at each other, we think the other person's got it easy, right? The grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. And I bet, I know that for you, people look at you and go, you've got it easy. And I don't and have it easy. And you don't, you've had it harder than others. Oh my God, I have it so hard. And I try to explain that even, you know, if the, those who read the caption that I have underneath my photo, I try to explain really what that moment's about, or yeah. what that photo means to me, what that experience is, and how I can deeply relate to it, and how hopefully they can deeply relate to it as well. So, uh, and that I, I want to just, I want to corners, I want to be honest with who I am, mm. and not that nothing's perfect Mm-mm. at all. That's why I talk about my body is perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. That my body isn't perfect by any means. And that's what I'm going to say is that people are looking at your body right now on Instagram, going, "Oh, shut up." Well, and 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 I appreciate that, but I I don't 
I'm not trying to. Uh, I I I would like to inspire those to who say they. And I get lots of messages. People say thank you for posting that. That inspires me because you're 49 mm-hmm. years old. You're taking really good care of yourself. How are you doing it? Mm-hmm. They. I get asked diet tips. I get asked all those kinds of things, and I go. I know my body. I had to learn about my body inside mm-hmm. and out. So I like I go to a, a naturopathist in San Diego. I get a blood test, and I find out all the deets on my on my chemistry. Naturopathist. So what? It's called a naturopathist. What? What is that? Um, she, it's the, the the technical name for it is orthomolecular medicine. They you do, love you, saying that. I know, isn't it great? Yeah, Ortho molecular medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, there's a woman that I go to in uh, um, a clinic I go to in, in San Diego, and they and I go on a yearly basis, and I find out what's my body doing. What it's really trying to be hyper aware of everything, having having awareness of not just your physical body, but your thoughts, your feelings, everything, and being super aware and knowing that when you have an issue or something's kind of coming up, is you know how to solve it. You have you create a new intuition and a new instinct of like. Taking care of yourself. What is the difference, final question before I let you go, uh, Garrett Swan, between vanity vanity and narcissism and self-care and self-worth? I think self, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. I think um, it's it's it all depends on what type of ego it is. Is it bad ego or good ego? Mm-hmm. I think good ego is confidence and bad ego is insecurity. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I'm so glad I followed my my instinct and, and met you that day that our friend said we should meet. I may have one. BFF. What a delight. <laughs> Please come back the next time you're in Toronto for castings, and I hope you book Yay. every gig that you're on. These hours always go by so quickly. That's it for another Sean Prue show. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next weekend. My rebel